And people ask me questions about healing. And healing is something that um, whenever you get to talk about healing and miracles, you always get questions. And um, rather than have people ask questions, I'll tell you what the questions are and then answer them. That way, I know I've got the answer. Whereas if you ask the questions, I might find it awkward. So, um, I wanted to start. One of the things that uh, happens when you pray for the sick is um, the attitude of some people is that it's your faith. And many, many times I've come to people and say, well, it's never based on your faith. If it was based on your faith, then it's you that does it. It's based on faith in the one who does the miracle. That's faith in God. The Bible says have faith in God. God does the miracle. You don't do it by your faith. But a lot of teaching in this day and age is misquotes from the um, scripture and people take one or two scriptures and misquote them. And miracles happen and healings happen when actually people stop trying to believe themselves into it and believe the God who does it. And believe in the God who does it. And uh, I believe that God wants us to be met body, soul, and spirit. I think he wants our physical beings to be well. And as I was saying uh, at the last meeting, one of the things that's a problem is attitudes. Attitudes affect everything. Uh, Your attitude to work affects how you work. Your attitude to... Uh, life affects how you are. Your attitude to your emotional relationships affect you, don't they? Hmm? The attitude to food affects you, doesn't it? Your attitude to pain can increase it. Your attitude to anything can actually exacerbate a problem or solve it. And All the time when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with a whole person. There's holistic uh, ministry. You've got to deal with a whole person, not part of a person. And one of the dangers is um, you get into playing psychological games. Now, you can't con yourself into uh, a different attitude... God's got to meet you inside and change your internals. It's God who does it. But when you're born again, you have a power within you that is greater than any other power on earth, or in heaven, or under the earth. And that power is able to work within you and release the life of God, not only in your spirit, but in your soul and in your body. And that will actually bring health and life and vitality and freedom inside of you. Now what happens with Christians is they get bogged down with trying to explain things rather than just trusting in the one who does it all. Uh, Salvation is, is something strange. Only God can save someone. Only God can give you a knowledge of forgiveness of sins. God does it. It's not something you can believe yourself into. There's a time when faith is birthed in your heart and you just know it's true. Isn't that right? Now, you can say, I believe, you can intellectually believe, but the reality of a new birth happens by a miracle of God. It's not by the will of man, nor the will of the flesh. It's God. Is that correct or not? All right? Now, in the same way with physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, whatever realm you're talking about, it always has to do with God. God is the author of it. God is the author and finisher of our faith. 
He doesn't only author it, he finishes it. And one of the problems, I think, with Christians is they try, when they believe that God's begun to do something, they then try to uh, bring about what they believe God should have done. And when you do that, you move out of faith and into reason and logic and symptoms and feelings and emotions. I, I meet people who come to me and say, well, I don't feel I'm forgiven. Well, because you don't feel you're forgiven doesn't mean God hasn't forgiven you. But to know the reality of it by the Holy Ghost is a totally different thing. And what has happened is with Christians, when it comes to healing, the same as forgiveness of sins, the same as freedom in their life from bondages, they're trying to play psychological games. And you can't. Only God can do it. If God doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. Then you have to ask, why? Uh, and most people come up with, well, why am I not healed if I believe? And it's an easy answer. I haven't got a clue. I can't tell you why someone's not saved either. I, ca I can't tell you what, whether, why someone's not saved. I can never explain to you why. I can't explain to you why someone's not delivered. I can't explain to you why someone's not healed. Don't have explanations. What I do know is God hasn't done it. Now, here's a, a mystery. What about people who know that God's healed them and all the symptoms are still there? And yet they know God's healed them. And two or three days later, they find they're completely healed. How, how does that work? Haven't got a clue. What about the time all the pain vanishes and they know they're healed instantly? Why does that happen like that? And another person, it doesn't happen. It, it happens over a period of two days, three days. What about um, one case I prayed for a man who, who was crippled and God healed him two o'clock in the morning he woke up and all the pain and agony had come back and he jumped out of bed and he cursed the devil and he said I know God's healed me and all the pain left and from that day on he was completely healed now had he lay in that bed and believed the lie of the devil would he have returned to, to the sickness I don't know but he didn't, thank God. If God touches you and you are healed, and then suddenly you find that the symptoms return, what do you do? Do you try and get healed again, or do you praise God that you were healed? Because God's gifts and callings are without repentance. Therefore, if he's done it, the devil can produce in your body any symptom he likes. Years ago, I prayed for a woman. I remember she had um, a cyst on her ovary and was in terrible pain, size of an orange. So I prayed for her. The pain vanished. Boom. And she cancelled the hospital operation. And she was fine for five and a half months. After five and a half months, the pain returned. Same pain. She went back to the same hospital. Surgeon said, well, we, we've had uh, whatever they do, x-rays or, you know, whatever it is. Scan. Done. We don't need to do another one. So booked her in for the two days later. Down she went for the operation, opened her up. And he said he'd never seen more healthy ovaries. There was nothing there. He was furious with her. Said, you shouldn't have come back and said the pain was there. There was nothing wrong with you. Uh, she was completely healed. They had been because they saw it. But it was gone. Now, 
what happened? Well, she'd moved away, and if she'd come back to the church, I'd have told her, look, hey, what God's done's done. And the pain would have just gone. Because the enemy of our soul wants to rob us. And he tries to steal. And with everyone it works differently. And one of the worst things about healing or, or deliverance is people think there's a method. Or they think because it happened in this person this way, it'll happen me in, with me in another way. Well I want to tell you God does something different with everyone. He treats us as individuals. You got saved differently from everyone else, didn't you? God's dealt with you differently than anyone else, hasn't he? Turn to the person next to you and say to them, do you know, I don't look as ugly as you. Now, that's because God made everyone look different. See? You're all different, aren't you? Huh? Sorry about that one. Um... your one chance to say it and get away with it say pastor said do that um it's true though you're all different aren't you and god when he deals with us in our lives deals with us differently what has happened in christendom is people are looking for formulas and methods and believing if there's a formula and a method it's like the four spiritual laws where people say well you get saved if you do this this and this then you're saved or the evangelicals the old brethren used to murder people by telling them oh well you know believe in the lord jesus christ yeah you are he stands at the door and knocks if any man opens he will come in and sat with him and there you are you know give your heart to jesus but the truth is you get someone like carolyn just to pick one off the front um she gave a heart that many times but there comes a time when god does it by the holy ghost and that's different all right so a, a formula doesn't work a and it's important to know that god isn't tied into any box and it's a spiritual experience we need, not a formula. A lot of people that come to this church have formula com conversions. In other words, they've given their heart, they've done what they know to do, and then they think they're a Christian because of that. But God hasn't done anything in their lives, in truth, inside. And so what they have is a belief and now they're struggling as Peter has said. I got Peter to get up and give his testimony a few weeks ago. He came to a place where he believed everything but it didn't work. Got to university believing all the right things. But if it doesn't work inside, God hasn't done it. Now... He came to the place because he was an evangelical, brought up an evangelical, made many decisions for Jesus. He's got a problem. How do you get from point A to point B? And when you're sick, how do you get from the disease to health? And when you're bound, how do you get from bondage to freedom? And when you need to get born again, how do you get God to do what only God can do? And that becomes a big question. Well, as I'm an absolute Calvinist, not as they say Calvinist, but as Calvin really believed, I believed in the absolute sovereignty of God. I actually do. I believe that there's no one sitting here but by the sovereign will of God. In fact, I believe God is the creator of heaven and earth and you wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for God. How about that? Would you agree with that? See, so God is sovereign, isn't he? Totally. Huh? If you're one of these Arminians, poor you, if you think that it's man who does it all. Um, Wesley um, was extreme Arminian 
Now, extreme Arminian then puts the responsibility on me to save you from hell. Well, I don't want that responsibility, therefore I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> I, I don't want to be responsible for your damnation. Uh, what I, I know is I'm called by the foolishness of preaching to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and people will get saved who are due to get saved and those who aren't won't. And that's it. And I have no way of determining who's who. And I have no way of getting God to do anything. But I preach whomsoever will may come. And those that are the elect come. And I believe also in the miracle power of God. I know that the atonement on Calvary is sufficient for the whole world. But I know that there's millions of people that can come to a meeting. Uh, and I've spoken to thousands upon thousands upon many continents and I know that God will save some and others it doesn't seem to affect at all I know that people will respond and come out and very often in a meeting you can see 50 people out the front and you know 3 or 4 really get met <clears throat> how do I explain it? simple I haven't got a clue. Except to know that God is sovereign. And one of the things that's happened in kind of charismatic and evangelical circles is people want to um, give the impression that they're in control. And I want to tell you God's in control. And really it's up to him. Now I can do my part. It says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Doesn't say when, does it? Doesn't say instant. Doesn't say over a year. Doesn't say in a minute. Doesn't say in ten seconds. It doesn't say anything, does it? Just says they shall recover. Hmm? So once I pray for someone, I believe God will fulfill what he's promised to do if they will believe God. Not believe for their healing, but believe the God who is the healer. And over a period of time, they'll find they'll walk out into perfect health. Um, but just in case they don't, they'll go and have physiotherapy, acupuncture, and, you know, or probably go and have a neck breaker, you know, go to osteopath or chiropractor, or probably go to a doctor and get a bottle of pills that poison you. I mean, whatever you do, you can do whatever you like. But Jesus Christ is the God of truth and the God of reality, all right? And when he comes and heals, it's done by a miracle. When Jesus came, he never came to give a formula. He came to give us life and life more abundant. But life means something different to everyone. He came to give us the mind of Christ. But the mind of Christ, when I look at some people, um, it, it seems minimal. Other people seem to have um, more grace. Uh, God lights people. Now why does he make the Bible alive to someone and there's some people, if they pick up their Bible, it's a dead book. And yet they're believers. So-called. Truth is, they're not alive. They're dead. Why is it some people have their imagination, they've got gifts, and it's usually the people that are incompetent. But I'm amazed how many people... Who, who think they've got a, a gift of healing or a gift of prophecy or a, a ministry in music or, or whatever and, and really they're deceiving themselves. In fact, you can be very good at something. The number of musicians who can get on a piano and kill a meeting stone dead by playing. Brilliant musicians but their spirit is so bad as soon as they get on the musical instrument you can hear their spirit or they take the microphone and you can hear their spirit when they sing they don't hear it 
but you can hear. And you can't explain why someone's dead and someone isn't. And to get someone to understand death, training won't get rid of death. Only God can do that. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But when we get that life, it's not that we do something, it's that he does something through us. He becomes the one who does the ministry. And what has happened is when you start identifying with ministry and try and do it yourself, you actually get in God's way. Jesus put it like this. He said, I don't do except I see the Father do. That do. I, I, and I speak what I hear the Father speak. In other words, he wasn't putting over his point of view or his desire. He was God really wanted. He wanted people to know this is God. When he went to heal, he, he went to, wanted to see. There are times when I come into a meeting, as I've said before, when I can walk into a meeting and I'll know exactly who God will heal. I can tell you exactly who's there. Why? Because I've already seen Father doing it. Now, I can't explain why I can go in on some meetings that operates and I go to other places, nothing. That's it. Now, I can't produce what only God can do. And I've learned over years to relax and not try and produce what only God can do. I've learned that God alone is the author and finisher of our faith. And it's ours, not one person's. Alright? Because it's his faith. And he makes his faith our faith because faith is a gift of God. And it's his. Uh, and what you have to understand is there's a grace of faith and the gift. And the gift's different from grace. Uh, grace of faith everyone has. Uh, if you didn't, you couldn't believe anything. Okay? So when someone comes who's sick, and they come out for prayer, first of all they've got to come believing God can do it. And everyone here would say, yes, God can do it. Wouldn't you? That would be the first thing. You've got to say, yeah, I believe. With God all things are possible. Everyone would believe that, wouldn't they? Huh? Anyone doubt that? With God all things are possible. If he made heaven and earth, and all that is in it, and he made you, God is in control, isn't he? He's a sovereign God. All right? He can do anything, can't he? Or can he? Are you sure? Right, so when someone comes out and they say, I need healing, first of all, they've got to believe that God can do it. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now, that coming to God, uh, if you don't believe he is, you won't get anything. Secondly, they must believe he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. There's a diligence in someone. Now, diligence shows itself in the way a person lives and behaves. I find a lot of people try and come to God but they come to God spasmodically with no diligence. In other words, there has to be a total determination inside. Don't think you'll come and get something from God if there's not a determination. You've got to be determined. And then you've got to be prepared to receive what God gives. My Bible says, if you ask and believe you've received, you shall have it. Now, 90% of people who come for healing will not believe that they've received. Because they'll wait 
till they know they've received before they'll believe they have. In other words, they want to see the fruit of it in their body before they'll believe. Isn't that correct? Is that right? And they are violating a biblical principle right there. So they keep coming, keep saying, well, I can't understand it. God never touches me. No, but when you ask and believe you've received, that's it, isn't it? And what does it say if you do that? You'll have whatsoever you ask. Huh. Now, you don't get many people get there. And those are the people that get healed. The number of people I've had who've come to me, uh, they've come in a wheelchair or they've come on a bed, they've been brought to the church, they've traveled maybe two or three hundred miles to get here. If anything's diligence, they've been diligent to get here for a meeting. I'll tell you what happens when they come out for prayer. Very often they say to me at the end of the meeting, I knew I'd be healed. I knew it. Now, the people that have come from down the road, they don't have to give any diligence to get here. In fact, they'll be here at the next meeting, so why should they really put their faith on the line? They'll come up to see if something will happen. But the person who's making a one and only trip they can make and knows they have no hope, hey, they're going to come with a different type of faith than the person who knows, well, I'm coming on Tuesday, but I'll be back on Friday. Is that a fair comment? Are you understanding where I'm coming from? Huh? Now the desperate person comes in and you might have been sitting there for two years in the church not healed and you see this person who doesn't deserve anything walk in, they know that God's going to meet them they'll tell the usher, I've come to be healed, God's going to meet me and boy they come out and what happens? They get a miracle why does it happen to him? not to me how come he well it's to do with that thing that I call diligence. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, because of circumstance and because of other factors, diligence was worked into their lives. But there's not diligence in other people's lives. It's the same in business. It's the same in anything. There are people who are determined to win. And there are people who just will go with the flow and whatever happens, well, that's all right. There are people who will use their abilities and hone their abilities to be the best and to succeed and there are other people who could be equally as good if not better but they never work at it they're lazy they're lackadaisical and because of that they keep going away empty handed and they look at the person who's successful and they say look at him, he's successful I'm cleverer than he is, I've got more ability why don't they succeed because they lack the one ingredient necessary, diligence. You don't get something for nothing in this life. You say, well, it's all grace. Quite right. But you see, reward comes. And don't forget, I'm taught, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder. Now, reward comes from action. And you see, what a lot of people have done is they've not understood that there's some things that are free grace. Getting born again is free, isn't it? Huh? 
God led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Wonderful. He slew the Egyptian army. And then they discovered in Canaan to actually possess what God had said was their inheritance, they'd got to do something. This time, God isn't going to do it. You're going to have to do it. But he says, don't worry. I'll drive the enemy out from before you. But you've got to go in and possess the land. Every place the sole of your foot treads. So there are times when God sovereignly does something and delivers us totally. Then he says, you go over Jordan. You've got to possess the land. You've got to deal with enemies. And what has happened in Christendom, we like the first bit where God does it all. We don't like the second bit where God demands we do something. When you're born again, it's wonderful. God does it all. But then it does say in my Bible, you've got to uh, give diligence to make your calling an election sure. Haven't you? Huh? Now, suddenly, you've got responsibilities. Okay, God birthed you, but now you've got responsibilities in your life, haven't you? To obey. You've got responsibilities of what you do. Now, in the healing realm, it's just the same. Life is full of responsibilities. In the emotion realm, it's just the same. Hey, if man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God, how are you going to know what God said if you never open your Bible? How are you going to live in the benefit of what God imparts if you never use the means of grace that he has given? which is the word of God. Say, so, well, I go to meetings. No, but that isn't sufficient. You come to a meeting and God challenges your heart, convicts you, but the basic thing is your lifestyle has to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility to be diligent. Your Bible isn't going to suddenly get into your head if you don't read it. Study to show yourselves approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What does it call it? A workman. What does that include? Working, doesn't it? Hmm? Now, it's amazing. People want to come for healing. They'll come every week. For prayer, but do you think they'll actually sit down and really read their Bibles and really study? And do you think they'll spend any time praying? No! Why should they? They can come to church and someone will pray for them. Fine, but let me tell you, you won't get what you want because God's not going to do it because you've got to live by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God and you're not interested in what God's saying. And when you walk out the church, you forget it within a second. Then you say, well, I don't know why God doesn't do a miracle in my life. I'll tell you why. Because you're not fertile soil. You haven't got an honest and true heart. You haven't been diligent. Your mind has to be set on Christ. Whatsoever things are pure, just, and a good report, it says think on those things. There's a discipline in life. Now this is not legalism. This is just telling you why things don't work for you. Just being kind to you. Because if you do it, you'll find you'll get fruit. If you never, you own a property, a farm, and you never plough the field, 
you never break up the soil. You don't sow seed. Will you get a crop? Or will you? Why not? Well, you know, things grow in the earth. Why not just let them grow? I mean, God's in control. Why, why don't he just let a harvest come? Why, why don't it just come up? Hmm? I mean, it's a farm. For goodness sake, the wind blows, seed blows across it. Why, why don't we just rely on that? Well, if you were a farmer, why wouldn't you rely on that? All you'd end up with is weeds. That's how most people's minds are, full of weeds. They just let anything blow across their imagination. Is that correct or not? What do you have to do if you're going to get a good harvest? You're going to have to break up the soil, aren't you? Go back to Hosea. You'll discover, break up the fallow ground. You've got to break it up first, haven't you? Then you've got to plant the right seed, haven't you? What is the seed? Word of God. Well, how are you going to get it planted in your life? Oh, I rely on church. Oh, sorry. No. That isn't where it's at. You see, you have to do something in your life. If you come to church, it's like a farmer with a massive field getting a, a handful of corn and just throwing it out uh, and hoping that'll do the whole farm. It won't, will it? Your heart is very specifically yours. Your mind, your being, you have to work on. You have a responsibility. And if you don't work on it, you're not going to get a harvest. And then you'll complain, well, I got sick and I didn't get healed. No, you didn't get healed because you never ever worked on your field. That's why I say to people, if you've got a real sickness, go out, get, go in the bookshop, buy Bosworth's book on healing. Buy T.L. Osborne's book on healing. Why? Because the best thing you can get in your heart is the seed that you need. If you want a crop, a miracle in your life, get seed that's going to sow to that thing. You say, well, I'll just read my Bible. Fine, do that too. But sometimes it's useful to get someone else's um, and get a more condensed form of food and nourishment, isn't it? Hmm? That'll direct your mind right. Because a lot of the reasons why people don't get anything from God is they don't ask. And when they ask, they ask amiss because they don't understand. So the best way is to get hold of a real good book and encourage yourself in it. But the important thing is to get yourself energized and get yourself focused on what life's about. And life's about doing God's will. Whatever you do in life, it's really serving the living God. That's what you're called to do. And you've got to, the best thing you can do is look if you want to pray don't try and pray cold get a tape a good music tape or get a good spiritual book and start reading and when something inspires you uh, and something quickens to your heart then pray you'll find God will draw near like that but if you try and just kneel down cold start it's like going out to a car in the morning when there's been a deep frost and you haven't really maintained your car very well and you it goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And, you know, if you keep doing it, it goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then it goes, whoa, click. And usually that's how your prayer goes, you know. It's, Lord, Lord Jesus. 
and, and it's gone. But if you get up, you have a good cup of coffee, properly made, none of this decaffeinated stuff, which is carcinogenic, dangerous, but real coffee, stuff that puts hair on your backbone. And, and, and you know, you're awake, you know, you've had your shot of whatever it is that's in it. Um, you know, and the anointing begins to flow. Uh, and then you, you get a good spiritual book and you begin to read it. I'll tell you what will happen. God, God gets opportunity then. Your, your mind is helped to engage. And once your spirit becomes engaged with God, you'll find God will begin to speak. Or you listen to a music tape and it begins to work in you and a song begins to come. And you get yourself in tune with God. Then's the important time to feed. Because then, once something comes and God quickens your heart and your mind, you'll find you can pray easily, you can feed easily, and then you need to get your Bible and read. And you'll find once you're awake like that, God will speak to you. I find so many Christians... They just go, go and they try and read their Bible and quite honestly they read their three chapters a day because they think they should and really they get nothing out of it. And if you're honest about it, they're thinking about their breakfast, they're thinking about what they're going to do in the day, they're worried that the time's ticking on and, and the, while they're reading, their mind's thinking of other things. How many people can say, yes, I do that? Put your hand up. Be honest. And, and, and you see, that is the trap. But you don't have to be like that. If you get a real good book that has real spiritual input, you'll find, uh, and a book you enjoy, um, get a good book that you enjoy. I'm talking about a good Christian book. <laughs> it will not get you in touch with God to open Tom Clancy first thing in the morning or whatever your you know kind of reading matter is that won't help you okay and you start uh, and you can start and, and it's amazing how quickly then get to reading and as I say if you get a book if you need a miracle Get a book like um, Bosworth's book on healing and miracles. Hey, it's great. If you want, uh, you know, your life changed, get something like The Happiest People on Earth or, or read something like um, uh, Oral Roberts' Testimony. Or, or um, you know, get a book that's going to inspire you. Get it's one of the loveliest things is to get something like one of Catherine Coleman's books, God Can Do It Again, and start reading about the miracles other people have. Because I'll tell you what it'll do, it'll feed into you. And you see, make things easy for yourself, because God didn't intend to make them difficult. And you'll be surprised how your spiritual life will rapidly change when you start feeding on right food. But the idea of jabbering in tongues for half an hour, a big difference between speaking by the Holy Ghost and just jabbering in tongues by your human spirit, which you can do just as easily. But no one teaches that. It's not demonic just childish okay and it won't benefit you you can tell I listen to people's tongue it's the same few words you know it's not tongues at all when the Holy Ghost comes he wants to set our whole being alive, our mind, our spirit, our body, 
And so what God wants us to do is to get in touch with him. And I believe in using every means possible. Um, get Bensonito's book, Strangers to Failure. Read some of those, or some of his books. I mean, for goodness sake, just a short chapter of that is inspiring. Or get Bounds. He's written some tremendous short chapters. I used to love reading Catherine Coleman's um, Tales of Miracles. You know, uh, God Can Do It Again. And there was a little series of thin books she had. And you read them. Uh, and I, I tell you, I couldn't get halfway through them without tears coming to my eyes. I mean, they're just beautiful stories. And the lives were transformed. You see, God wants to, to encourage us and to lift us up. And there's no better way than reading about saints who've had a real experience of God. There's no greater encouragement than someone else who might be in a worse position than you and you find out how God raised them up, how God did a miracle for them. That is encouraging. And then when you start to pray, you don't pray in unbelief, you start praying in faith. And suddenly if you start feeding your life and your mind and your heart with those things, it's not long before your whole life attitude changes. And your attitude becomes one of expectancy instead of one of hope. I think T.L. Osborne said to me, he wouldn't pray for anyone for a miracle when he goes over to India and he gets into a village. They'd spend a week just teaching on healing before they'd pray for anyone. Because they needed to get understanding of what was going to happen. And I think what happens is we, we think, we, you know, you can come to church and you can be there for a 40-minute, 50-minute hour sermon, and that's your food. No, you've got to meditate on it, you've got to take it, and then you've got to feed it, and you've got to enrich your soul, and you've got to develop your life, and you've got to realize, look, my whole life has got to become consumed by God. My consuming passion is to live for Him. And it's got to be something that you cultivate. It's not something you spend hours doing. You don't need to. But when you get your heart and your spirit in the right attitude, I'll tell you what happens all day long. No matter what you're doing, that same thing rings through your being. And you begin to walk in the spirit and live in the spirit and grow in the spirit and mature not because you have opted out of life, but inside yourself, you keep that flame alive. Never goes out. And wherever you are, if you're on a train, if you're with people, the moment you, you can just go inside and the life is there. But you have to cultivate it. You have to develop it so you have that food within. The harvest is there because you fed and put the right seed in. Okay? And that takes time. Do you know, there's no farmer that picks up a handful of seed, throws it in the field, and the next day he's got a harvest. Our problem is we want everything instant. But if you want to develop in Christ, I tell you, it takes time to build. It takes time to develop. It takes time to be what God wants you to be. You have to grow in it. You have to grow in grace and the knowledge of God. But if you turn away from the very things that you should be using to develop you, then you end up with nothing. 
And that's why you come to the meeting and you say, well, I can't understand it. I came out, I got prayed for. And then this person comes all the way down from Yorkshire, never been to church before. They don't even go to church. They walk in, they're expectant, bang, they get a miracle. But the reason is God demands more of you because you have greater opportunity. And the more you have, the more he expects. That's great, isn't it? He trusts you with expecting more of you. And therefore you have a bigger responsibility. Hmm? Now, is that easily understood? How many of you this week have read a Christian book? Put up your hand. I mean, read the whole book. Not, uh, I mean, don't mean, I don't mean, you know, come on. You know, I don't mean you read the title page of a book or, you know, two pages. I mean, you read a book. What's wrong with you people? Don't you read anything? It's important what you've put in. When you eat, it's important what you eat, isn't it? Hmm? What you eat, what you become. You've got to feed. How many of you have read the Bible every day this week? Put up your hand. If you can honestly say it, you've really... Now, I don't mean just read, you know, Holy Bible on the front cover. I mean, you know, I've actually picked it up and read at least 20 chapters this week. Put up your hand. One person. Any other hand? Two. Three. Three people. Any more? Now, do you want to know why you haven't got a harvest? people have listened to more than five chapters of the Bible on their cassette tape in their car this week put up your hand listen to more than f one two three four five six seven eight okay you've done it now I tell you what one of the things, when I got saved and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I used to have a reel-to-reel -reel machine and I used to have to buy, I think it was about eight batteries to get this flipping thing to go around. It was in the days when it was steam-driven almost. And, but I would, I would get it going in my car and I, when I was driving, I would have it, I'd go through book after book of the Bible, turn it back, go on it, and I learned that if, if you listen to a book from Scripture about 50 times, straight through, you learn it. It just sticks in your mind. I, and I know my Bible because right from the early days, I just listened to those tapes until it got inside of me. I could answer people because it was inside me. You see, the only way to, if you've got a sword of the Spirit, it's fine. But you see, the sword of the Spirit's the Word of God. Now you've got no defense and you can't deal with the devil if basically the Word of God to you is in a book and you've never opened it and you don't know what's in there really. so there has to come a diligence. I mean, the best thing you could do if you drive a car is go and buy Bible tapes and just put them in your cassette player and get CDs and listen to the Word of God. Wouldn't that be good? 
How many of you drive a car at least four hours a week? You're in your car, driving. Okay? Now you could listen to a lot of the Bible in four hours, couldn't you? Hmm? Right? Just going down the road. You, my wife has, has the, her radio on with the, the Bible on all the time. Don't you? I get in the car and it's on. In her car. And it's on. Always. And it's, it's such a, you can steal moments just driving to the shops and back. God can speak to you. you give, what you're doing is you're availing yourself of opportunity for God to speak to you and influence your life. And that's what you want to be thinking of the whole time. Instead of putting on classical music, have a classical Bible read. Instead of putting on, you know, build yourself up in your faith. Make things easy for yourself. It would change your life if you'll only sow the right seed. <laughs> that Miracles will happen when you get your mind set upon miracles. But if you don't feed then what you're hoping for is God's going to intervene. But he won't intervene in your life like he will in a visitor's life because you have the opportunity they don't have. So a miracle for you, you're going to have to do something for it. For them, they'll come in on grace. And the strange thing is, really it's grace for you too because it's God who quickens the word anyway, doesn't he? face the gift of God but it's just you have to work at it okay is that clear huh if I went round to each one of you and said now I want to promise go to your car get the Bible in huh get the word of God in you when you, you housewives are doing the ironing, what better to, than to listen to the word of God? It's amazing how much time you waste that could be used to build yourself up. Uh, and what is necessary, uh, the more I talk with people, the more I realize that they're not feeding on the right things and therefore they're not developing and growing. They're relying on me. Now my faith will work for you. I know I have faith and God will do things when I pray but I know this, that some of you he won't do anything for you because you don't deserve it. And I know you don't have to deserve it. But there's a time when he's putting responsibility on your shoulders and what he's trying to do is wake you up to realize that's why I say it's so important to get to every meeting and to be on time. God knows whether you're really intent and diligent. He sees your heart and he tries the reins of your heart. God wants to see that you're going to put everything in to what he's called you to do. And if you don't, you won't get the rewards. Whosoever cometh to God, what does it say? Must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that so diligently seeking God, diligently giving yourself to getting a meeting, diligently doing things in your life, using your time, redeeming the time for the days are evil, is all part of a Christian life, isn't it? Hello? Now you want the grace benefits, but here I'm telling you how to sow seed to get the fruit. I do it. I pick up all sorts of books. You'll find 
If you go into my house, you'll find there's books all over the place. Uh, why? Because I, I like to get into books. I can't imagine life without books. It's like life without food. And I, I see some people, they just don't bother. I want Give yourself all diligence. All right? Is that plain? A miracle will happen for you. If you need a miracle in God, get hold of the best miracle books. Get hold of Bosworth. Get hold of T.L. Osborne on healing. Get hold of uh, Oral Roberts' book. Um, get hold of the book. Read them. Start reading them. You say, my. It, it'll inspire you. Get hold of Catherine Coleman's and start reading I'll tell you what will happen you'll believe in miracles and before you know it one will have happened to you but you come and just rely on me and think oh I'll go to the meeting and you don't give any diligence I'll tell you you won't get anything and you don't deserve it okay is that fair alright 